It is a pleasure to get to speak on the first Sunday of Advent. I sometimes feel like Marlene's shirt, okay? Uh, the Grinch that stole Christmas. Uh, not that I'm naughty or anything, but uh, I, uh, I sometimes have not been ready for Christmas. I kind of... Um, I'm a, a typical man in the sense that uh, there's so many days left for shopping, you don't have to wait. You can always get it on Christmas Eve, okay? <laughs> so no need to stress. Um, when I've been on the ball, I usually take the American Thanksgiving Day, that Thursday. Uh, when I wasn't into football, I would go shopping that day and... Uh, <laughs> get my shopping done, but since I've now, you know, become more footballized, um, I, I've, uh, I've tended to, uh, welcome, no, I know you were, you've been, <laughs> uh, he was just at the back running this, um, so, uh, where was I, back at uh, Christmas, so, Sometimes when, I, when Christmas starts in December, the 1st of December, um, I'm kind of shocked. I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes you can get into that shock mode, and then there's this pressure to buy, 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 spend, 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 and uh, get ready for Christmas. Um, the last couple of years, I've been delinquent in putting lights on my house. Um, I want to really, you know, do the thing of getting the laser light, just to put it down in the, in the little, I don't have a lawn, so I just want to put it in front so that it will do all the sprinkle of lights and I won't have to get up on a ladder. And uh, so I've been successful last year. And this year we went to Costco to go get, go get some lights and they're all gone, the ones that my wife wanted. So <laughs> lucky for me... <laughs> I don't have to get up on a ladder again. <laughs> so, uh, and because I don't have a lawn, it's pretty hard to put the spike down into that frozen tundra uh, to put one of those laser things on the, on the building, right? So, just put on wood. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> thanks for, thanks for help solving my problem, Matt. <laughs> now I got to go get uh, but some things um, that we don't think about at Christmas is the end of the world. And so our Advent, um, our Advent series is going to be Christmas at the end of the world. Interesting. That's because uh, in this Advent season... Most of the Advent scriptures are talking about the end of the world. And so I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. And uh, we're going to start reading from verse 25. Luke's Gospel. Luke's Gospel, chapter 20, 20, sorry, 21, did I say 25? 
I meant 21, starting at verse 25. Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, starting at 25. And there will be signs in, in the sun, moon, and stars, and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the seas and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is, what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees, as soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dispensation and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Wow, those are good Christmas verses, aren't they? I don't know about you, but um, I grew up in a time when uh, you got scared when you talked about the apocalypse and you talked about the things of, that is coming. And um, I think I've told you before, I grew up in the time when they did a series called The Thief in the Night Movies. And um, Larry Norman played, it was the, uh, wish we'd all been ready, you know. And then you got to the, there was, a, it, it was one film that got into two films, that got into three films, and uh, the three films, you uh, third one, it talked about getting beheaded. It really was very joyous as a young Christian boy, uh, getting into getting into his teens, knowing that when the apocalypse comes, I'm going to have to decide if I'm serving Jesus and get beheaded, or I'm going to get the mark and I'm going to, you know, be forever damned. Um. So when you talk about things like this, it's very hard to go, how does that really come into congruent with Christmas? I know you're all asking me that question, right? If I was to ask, stop and say, well, what in the world, why are we talking about end times or apocalypse at Christmas time? Well, that's the thing we're going to answer. I guess what I want to say to you right now is that we are living in apocalyptic times. Now we need to really define what apocalyptic means. The word, the word apocalypse in its root form means unveiling or uncovering. And over time, people began to use the word to talk about the end of the world, but apocalyptic times 
are the end of the world in a certain sense. Apocalyptic times are the end of the way the world is and the beginning of the way it will be. It's the end of the way the world is. It is also the beginning of the way it will, will, will be. Apocalyptic times, things are uncovered and revealed for what they are instead of what we always assume. This is why the death of a loved one, the end of a marriage, the revelation of a boss's corruption, the confession of immorality from someone close to you feels like the end of the world. It is the end of the world. It's the end of the world you thought you knew. So why are we talking about the end of the world at the beginning of Advent? And why are we reading Jesus' prophecies of coming destruction anyway? Uh, this is supposed to cheer us up for the holidays? <laughs> hmm... I don't know about you, but I've, there is, a, you know, being a pastor, sometimes you wear the title of, of uh, you can criticize me anytime you like, and I will just roll over and pretend that it's okay. Sometimes I've been accused of not talking about end times enough. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I guess um, I want to prove everybody wrong. And uh, I want to encourage everybody in the same moment. But why is it, why does this make sense? Because guess what? Christmas is supposed to make us uncomfortable. Yes, it's supposed to be filled with peace and joy and hope, but we cannot get there until we understand the world Christ is always born into. You see, you can't understand peace and joy and hope without understanding the world in which he was born into. We can try to have a nice, peaceful Christmas without wrestling with earth-shaking implications of the Incarnation, but the only commercial trappings of the season will promise us the joy without facing any pain. What results is the feeling of Christmas, devoid of meaning. The magic of the season simply becomes a series of performances. We show up to different events, and we listen to a different kind of music, which begins right about now. But our hearts aren't changed. We didn't start with the longing and the pain of the world longing for a Savior. That's why we call this Advent series Christmas at the End of the World. 
So what does Christmas mean to those lost in darkness? Are we really longing for the hope of the world, or do we think we've already been there and done that? Well, let's start with a a thought experiment. Imagine that you had to explain the meaning of Christmas to a Syrian refugee. What would you say about Christmas? Imagine you had to give a eulogy at a funeral for a friend that falls right before December 25th. What would you say about Christmas? Imagine you're connecting with a divorced co-worker during the holidays. They aren't with their kids this year and they are troubled about it. They hate the holiday season. And then they ask you why you celebrate. What would you say about Christmas? Just what is this hope of the world anyway? What does it mean to ordinary people who are lost, afraid, and hurting? And what does it mean to us? Here are some uncomfortable Christmas truths. Not all the shepherds in Bethlehem saw the angels and found the manger. Not all the wise men from the east came to worship the Messiah. Not all the people in the temple who's longing for a Messiah to come and to rescue them even noticed the baby Jesus when he was dedicated at the temple. It turns out that there is a difference between wanting something and being ready to receive it. The whole world needed saving, but only a handful of people got to witness the miraculous intervention of God. Those who were on the outside looking in didn't see the hope they were promised. They just saw more of the same kind of trouble. Overcrowding in Bethlehem, a refugee settlement crisis, The slaughtering of innocent people. God entering into our world looked nothing like our nativity scene. It was violent, it was tumultuous, it was troubling and scary. And those who were brave enough to seek Him in spite of those conditions got to see the first glimpse of the light of the world. And here's the main thing I want us to understand this Advent. God does not step into a world of peace and order. He encounters us in the middle of hostility and chaos. I don't know about you, but all through my life, if I go back and I look at the the places where I grew the most or the places that... I feel like I'm able to, I know that I've matured into is because of difficult times that have happened in my life. The times that I learned the most at college was when I was basically 
in turmoil over a paper that I felt I couldn't write. But all of a sudden, I was able to put it down on paper, and I felt like I had learned something that I never knew before because of the turmoil and the things that went on in my life in order for me to produce that education. Some of us here in this room are facing difficult circumstances of life, and basically we sometimes are succumbing and just want to numb the pain in order for it to go away. And hopefully we can avoid all of that stuff and we can just enjoy what we've been promised. But life doesn't always work that way. It's in the difficult turmoil and suffering that we are able to be... at the point where we can comprehend a great big God who can break into our world because we're at the end of ourselves. It's unfortunate, but many of us in this world today don't need God. We've got our phones. Why is that? Because we got a massive amount of information. If I just want to know something, I can ask Google. I can ask Alexa. I can ask Surrey. If Surrey will even hear me correctly. <laughs> I even got her calling me Her Majesty. I've got, I've got it all right there in the palm of my hand. If I want to know how I can achieve peace or build or to create more of a, a self-help nature, I can, I can, I have access to all this information. Somehow this stuff is going to be able to help me get through what I have to get through. But God doesn't work that way. It's not about information. It's about coming to the end of yourself. You see, sometimes it is the very, it's the, it is at the bottom of the barrel where we get an invitation to find God who wants to work into our lives. It's really an invitation to find Him in the very worst part of our lives. That breakthrough is there. The same light of the world born in Bethlehem would shine upon everyone. The angels proclaim the peace and goodwill to all humanity, but not everyone notices it right away. We're all called to be the first witnesses to this hope so that other people can receive it, but we have to learn to look in the right places. We can't be passive with the world around Christmas time. This is our moment. This, it's the season where everybody wants to encounter God in various ways, regardless of what they think they believe. They look for Jesus through family and togetherness, through carols, through songs, filled with incredible truth, and through giving and receiving gifts to one another. 
It's the time where breakthrough can take place. It's now our time to lead the way. It's an infectious light that shines from within us that we take, it takes a purposeful time to behold the baby who's born at the end of the world. Jesus forewarns the Jewish people that the temple age is coming to an end. In this, in this section of Scripture, it's set up. The context says that Jesus is forewarning the Jewish people that the temple age is coming to an end. It looks, this is their most prized possession, is this building that houses the presence of God. It's the structure that defines their faith and their culture. And it claims the whole thing will be torn down. And the disciples ask Jesus when this will happen. And he gives them a very specific answer. And he describes an apocalypse of great shaking, trembling, and fear. And then he claims this is the coming of the Son of Man. Unless Jesus had said it, his own followers wouldn't believe it. Imagine it. Jesus describes the establishing of his own kingdom as a volatile and scary thing. Are we looking at the scary, volatile parts of our life and thinking, this is precisely where I'll find Jesus being born in me today? Jesus desires to be born in and through you in those critical moments where you are at the bottom. Where you are facing the worst. I don't know about you, but you can... You can look at all the red, all the things that have said about the end of the world, and you know what? What? As a as a pastor, I've grown up in the tremendous amount when you talk about the end of the world, that fear rises up in the body of Christ, where we serve God out of fear. Or we just pretend it's for someone else that's gonna get gonna get it and we're say we can just ignore it and we can just pretend we're we're passing through. But God desires to to move in and through our lives in the most difficult moments to reveal himself because he is who he says he is. He's a God of hope, a God of peace. A God of joy. Because He breaks into the very difficult moments of life and brings those things with Him. He did back when He was born and He continues to do it to this day. So what happened after Jesus prophesied these things about the temple? The establishing of Jesus' kingdom unfolded through His death and resurrection but it also came a greater fruition when the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem in A.D. 70. The disciples remembered Jesus' words and warning, and they received His prophecy as a sign of His kingdom being established. 
They left Jerusalem and spread the gospel to the ends of the earth by the power of the Spirit. And our main Roman historian from that time, Josephus, said that not one Christian body was found dead in the city after Rome ransacked it. Jesus reveals that his arrival in our lives is often tied to troubled circumstances. We can find him anyway. Jesus tells us how. Verse 31, So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Verse 34, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dispensation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day will come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So, here's how to find the baby at the end of the world. One, see these things. Look at the painful parts of your life this Christmas. Trust that you will find Jesus there. He makes this promise. His word will not pass away. Many of us are too afraid to face the painful things in our lives, and we hope to find Jesus as we run away from them. He's still with us, but His light is shining on our backs. He is there in the midst of of our difficulties. I sometimes, when I I think about life back then when I was growing up in the church and facing the fear, and today... I am I'm aghast that sometimes that we are so into pain relief that we forget that our God is actually trying to break in to our life. I'm not saying that God is always that you that you need to find some bad thing to happen to you in order to find God. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that sometimes we need to understand that there are difficult circumstances that we have to walk through to get through the other side in order for we in order for there them in order for there to be a signpost or a place where we can say God met me here. It's interesting that when I talk to people who have walked out their Christian walk, they often point out to the the darkest times in their life to say this is where God was faithful. Now, I can't forecast the future, but one thing I can tell you is regardless of what this world goes through, 
God is still going to be God and He will bring you through. Well, I don't know if I can trust Him. Try. Well, you know, it's a little difficult. You know, I I really want to, but, you know, I'm not sure. If you want to discover who God is at Christmas time, maybe it's time to do something different than you've done before. Instead of handing out your Christmas list, maybe fulfill someone else's. You know, uh, what we do as a family is right now, because we're in different places, I mean, our family's in one place and Katie's in another, but we, we often make out our list and we share it with each other. Barb always gets a little more super spiritual than the rest of us, and the first thing she puts down is, just send my, my money to someone who's in need makes the rest of us go, she thought of it first. So it makes your list go, well, if I say I want this, 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 I'm not as spiritual as she is. You see, a lot of times, church, We look at this time of joy and peace and of gift-giving in this this realm of of utopia that all of a sudden settles over the world. But it settles because something happens to our hearts and God is breaking through and making a difference. Through us, not to us. I encourage you that at this Christmas time, that in the midst of maybe difficult circumstances, because you know, as as we have walked through them ourselves as a church body, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but um, I was. Um, I was prophesying over the dead, over the the, the chairs uh, in August. I, I knew what we would face, and yet God has been faithful. We're um, it's kind of like being reset. Did you know that uh, at the beginning, just to make the let's just talk about the issue of the church. Let's just talk about the fact that. Technically, we need a little over $8,000 every Sunday from January to December just to make budget. We were losing that almost every month. 
from January to June. And God, God has come through. I want to say we are back, as you'll notice the amounts that we need each and every Sunday, we are back to where we need each and every week at the beginning of the year. Some of you know what it's like to be under that pressure cooker place of debt and of lack. And we are waiting for some kind of miracle. Maybe it's time that we do something different than we've done before. Instead of succumbing like Barb says, turn over like a dog and expose our belly, we Rather than say, oh no, here it comes. We allow God to break through into our lives because He is the same God at Christmas back then as He is today. He desires to bring joy, peace, hope to your world. There are a lot of things other than just money that can, that can cause us to be so gripped with hopelessness that we see that there is, unless God breaks through, it seems like there will be the same old, same old, or worse. My God desires more for you than just survival. Okay, I believe that. That was a good place to say amen. The second thing that we find the baby at the end of the world is we need to watch ourselves. Because of our fear, we don't like to make the habit of self-examination. We trust our best intentions and assume that because we're doing the best we can, no good will come from looking inside ourselves. But the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And so often the first place you encounter God is in your times of self-reflection. Ignatius made this a spiritual practice and he called it a daily examinum. Put simply, you spend time with God daily, taking time to remember the moments where you recognized His presence. And to recognize the moments where you missed His presence. Self-awareness is not self-criticism. This isn't about being critical or condemning or about putting pressure on yourself to become something you're not. It's about honesty and truth. It's about acknowledging your hurt instead of ignoring it. And most importantly, it's about bringing all those thoughts and feelings to Jesus. I don't know about you, but that is so crucial for my own life. The times that I am under incredible stress of life is the times that I haven't spent any time with Him and I have to go and I need to do some self-examination. And I express all of the things that are on my heart to Him. 
And guess what? I don't just say it from my mind. I say it out loud with my mouth. Because there's something about that kicks in in my mind that goes, okay, I've said that. Is that exactly what I'm meaning to say? If not, I describe it a little differently. And is that what I'm trying to say? And it's funny, when you begin to say things that, you're, that is actually in your heart, you're, allow, you're, you're, ex, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to then examine those words that you're facing. And He can bring truth to those things that you are uttering from your own mouth. Church, there is nothing wrong with telling God how you feel. God desires to break into your reality because your feelings can lead you to a place where you're not supposed to go. You cannot submit to what you do not acknowledge. Think about the early followers of Jesus. They're in trouble. They're in a troubling, apocalyptic times. Everything inside them screams, Jesus is not with me. But Jesus simply said, watch yourselves. Make sure your thoughts and your choices are subject to the word spoken over you. Crucial, crucial, crucial. In the same moments that I speak the things that I'm feeling, I bring out the words that have been spoken over me, and I say, which one is correct? Church, you can't allow the words of troubling times overwhelm the words that God has spoken over you. Because that is what the enemy wants. That is, what, that is what brings apocalyptic messes over your lives. And the last thing he said is stay awake. Realize this world causes us to slumber. It's easy to fall asleep in cold darkness. I like the cold. I, I, you know, if I could, I want to open the window and I want to let the cold air in and I love to sleep under, under heavy blankets and cold. I don't know what you, there's just something about that. Uh, Barb gets, like she has to have no light and has to be complete silence or... <laughs> She doesn't fall asleep. So we're like two different people because I, I can handle whatever's going. I just, I can tune it out. Maybe it's because I'm a guy. I can tune things out. I can just, you know, forget the light. I just, I can just fall asleep anywhere. But the things are is that we, we oftentimes realize that there is a slumber to the cold darkness 
that we don't realize can take place. Many people at the temple were longing for a Savior, and they were simply going through the motions. Many of the ones who heard Jesus talk about the temple forgot the urgency of his warning over the next 30 years. Many of the believers who joined other believers to worship on Sunday morning have lost their passion and they're not longing for an encounter with the living God. Do you want to encounter God? He promises you will find Him, but you have to come to the end of your own false contentments. For some people, it means facing the pain of loss. For others, it means acknowledging your disappointment. Maybe it's just a need to admit your life is broken in a certain way and then stand still long enough to see God's light shining over you. But don't miss your moment to celebrate Christmas, the real meaning of Christmas, in the middle of the life you now have. Even if you know all the right theology about Christmas, the incarnation means nothing unless you have experienced God with us. I am... um, I don't know about you, but there are times that life just simply is, there's such a draw to correct my own life with my own thinking, my own way, with some kind of self-revelation. And um, I came across this uh, six important questions that will improve the quality of my life. It's interesting that <clears throat> when, you, um, when you want to improve yourself, the world has, has ways to try to, to self-medicate and self-proclaim and to, to look at things. And... Um, <clears throat> Here's, the quest- Here's a question. Who am I becoming? Just who are you becoming? I am... Um, there, these questions... Are, are, are good in themselves, but they forget a big part of what I've been trying to get across to you for the last few minutes. And that is, there are times that uh, oh, dang, my computer just froze and killed me out of my Okay, I'll forget the questions. It's okay. I've been having troubles with my computer ever since I had to get it fixed. So, 
Let me, comp- let me capsulate what I'm trying to say. Church, we're on a preposis. We have come to a place where there are things that are taking place that could cause us to fear, to be trembling, to allow the the issues of life to so bear down on us that we are unable to see, to know, to feel, to think. And we become casualties of all of that stuff. God does not desire for you to be just a casualty. He desires to break in and through your life on a real and wonderful way. Because that's what He did at Christmas. Like what was said, not everybody experienced it, but those that were looking for it found it. What are you looking for this Christmas? I invite you this Christmas to think of the end of the world differently. The end of your world is not the end, but it is the beginning. It's the beginning of great things that God has in store for you this Christmas time. It is so easy to get caught up in a world that has no anchor, has no pivotal point. The forecast that the world has doesn't look very good. I look at economy forecasts and things that are set on the radio and I could really get, I could flare up with fear thinking, yes, the end of the world is coming and oh no, I'm going to be a casualty of that end. But that's not what Christmas is all about. Christmas is Jesus coming down and being Emmanuel to us. Breaking into our world in places that quite frankly have to be and will be miracles. Uh, back in, uh, I w- listen, sometimes when I'm running, I, I try to run at least four, run or walk four and a half miles every day, and um, I pulled up one of Bethel's uh, sermons that Bill gave, and he uh, feels that it, in the next 90 days that the that there will be some tremendous miracles that will take place of, for things that are breaking into people's lives that will be miraculous in the next... It'll go through a period of 90 days. It will be... It'll start in... I don't know when that is, about in February or so, that God's just going to begin to break through into miracle after miracle after miracle into people's hearts and lives. I claim that for this place. 
See, I don't see sometimes the difficulty and the struggle that you may be facing right now as being the end of the world. I see it as the beginning of God breaking through. Don't succumb to the, the loud voices that are coming over your shoulder, through your radio, on the news, through all of the stuff. It points to no hope, no help, and dis- it's time, church, that we allow ourselves to follow and walk in the hope of which we profess.